Welcome to That Vacation Co. Podcast. We are the Bergs, Caleb and Chanel, and we are doing a That Disney Hustle episode today. We are continuing in our um, trip of 2021 to the Walt Disney World Resort, and today we're talking about Hollywood Studios. So Hollywood Studios, um, this was, I can't remember what exact date it was, but it was mid-September-ish. This was a hot day, another hot day. Uh, we talked a little bit about that in our previous episodes about the heat. This, I don't know if this was the hottest day, but it definitely felt like it at points uh, because one of our ongoing biggest complaints about Hollywood Studios is the lack of shade and things like that there. It's a hot park, but um, all good things, all good things to say, though, um, despite the heat. This was an interesting day. This was an interesting start to the day. I'll say that. Um, It began uh, quite early for us. This was probably the earliest we had to be at one of the parks. And that was because we actually had a reservation. And the reservation was for 15 minutes before the park actually opened. So we were running a little bit behind. There was a couple issues with transportation And I don't even remember exactly what it was, but we just kind of got held up a little bit. And so we finally make it to the park and, you know, we get through ticketing and all that stuff. And it is a mad dash to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, which is pretty much the farthest point in the park. And me, Uncle Paul, and Olive are making that mad dash. And if you know me at all, this is not my cup of tea. I'm struggling. And uh, I finally tell Uncle Paul and Olive to to rush on ahead, leave me behind. And uh, they did. Far too easily, I might add. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, so the reservation was for a droid building uh, opportunity that Olive had been desperately saving for for the better part of a year. She had m- saved up all her money for it, made a, made enough to be able to do this fun little adventure. And so she was at the droid building. Um, I can't remember what the name of it is. That, yeah, whatever whatever the name of this uh, uh, experience is, that's where she was. And so she and Uncle Paul... You could have one person go with you. Uh, she brought along Uncle Paul, went and made this droid while I kind of sat down and recuperated after the mad dash. And uh, she had a wonderful time. She didn't end up making the style of droid that she originally wanted. She originally wanted to make a B unit, so like BB-8, the round sphere type droid. She ended up making it an R unit, so more of the R2-D2 style astromech droid if you're familiar with star wars and uh she she created one that was uh you know white and purple and silver and um she's since added some pink decals and all this good stuff and so boopy schmoop 3000 was born and of course she got a few of the um the additional uh personality chips that you can purchase to um kind of make it have some different voicings and and behaviors and whatever. And I have to say, like, um, this this experience was well worth the money. Um, You know, you always wonder, like, you know, basically dropping um, a good bit over $100. So I would say she 
in total, if you count all the extras that were added, she probably spent about $140, $150 on this. Um, now, some of that was, you know, Uncle Paul bought her some things and all that stuff. So all that to say, you know, for 140 bucks or so, she walked away with a really cool astromech that is remote controlled. It's The remote control is Bluetooth operated and... She has all these additional features that she can add to it, like extendable arms and things like that. And it is a fun toy. Um, of course, we do try to make sure she's careful with it because it is a more costly item. But I would say if you've considered doing one of these additional experiences at Hollywood Studios, Star Wars Galaxy Edge, um, it's worth it. Uh, especially the droid one. We haven't done the lightsaber one, but you know the reviews that people have left about building your own lightsaber have been very positive. So I would say that one as well is worth the money. Um, so this was her main souvenir, and it, it was a lot of fun. We even brought it out outside the, the area where you build it to a little place they have designated for testing out your new astromech droids. And so she got to play with Boopy Schmoop 3000 around some other recently created droids. So, Chanel? Yeah, I just wanted to say, for these bigger ticket items that your kids may want, this is something that Olive knew about from the time that we went the previous year. So we went in 2020, and Olive discovered and found out about building a droid, and it's something that she wanted to do. And we you know, try to make it into a, a learning experience for her because we told her, well, it's it's pretty expensive. We can't do that for you now. We haven't planned for that. We haven't budgeted for that. But if you um, save your money, if you help with chores around the house and get allowance money and save birthday and Christmas money and things like that, um, by the next time we go, you should have enough saved up or, a, you know, a sizable amount, close to the amount, and mom and dad can pitch in and help. But this is a goal that you can work towards. So we use it as that. And we kind of, you know, with a, at the time when she started the goal, she was five years old. Um, and kind of like we we kind of estimated that, oh, there's a good chance that this might she might forget about it at some point or not really desire it after a while, or she may want something else. And, um, she, she stayed pretty persistent with it, mentioning it every so often and, and wanting to work toward it and understanding the concept of saving towards that goal, which I was really impressed with. And there were a few times where maybe she wavered on it a little. And we said, well, even if you don't get the droid, save your money so that you can have money to spend when you get to Disney and you can pick out what you want. If it's not a droid anymore, perhaps you'll want something else more. Um, But amazingly, over the year and a half span that she saved, she did maintain the desire to want this droid, and so she got it. And actually, I think over the course of a year and a half, she saved up enough for the droid and maybe some little the add-ons that Caleb mentioned – she even had saved up enough for a carrying case, like a backpack for it, uh, but they happened to be out of them, so she didn't get the backpack. So she had extra money that we loaded onto a gift card for her that she was able to get other little souvenirs and snacks with. So she had her own gift card preloaded that she could kind of exercise a little bit of independence with 
which was fun to see her do that. Um, one thing I want to add, one practical, very, I think, very helpful note that I want to add about the droid. After it was built, because there was no backpack, our intention was we're going to have a backpack. Um, Caleb was going to be the one to really care for it and, and wear it and make sure that it was okay. But because they didn't have that, they did give a, a little cardboard carrying case, which was, you know, a good temporary measure. Um, but... We were concerned about the weather that day. We were concerned about rain. We were also just concerned about carrying that around and potentially losing it or damaging it. So what we did at that point, what I did, was take the droid up to the front of the park to um, virtual a virtual storage locker. They have... Um, they have regular storage lockers at the front of every Disney park that you can rent for a reasonable rate for the day. And at some point, Paul and Marcel did end up doing that um, during our stay. I think they did it at Epcot, and I think they did it at Hollywood Studios that day. Just a place to go and put your souvenirs. Now, you will have to be conscious of the fact that you may have to walk to the front of the park if you're at the back of the park. But for them, it was a worthwhile thing. They they rented um lockers and put things in it for the day so they didn't have as much to carry we did the virtual locker for olives um droid and what that is there's a station at the front of the park where a cast member will go and put your merchandise away in a storage area that they have so you can't actually put the storage away they will do it for you and it is only for merch items that you purchase in the park so if you have personal items like a backpack a lunchbox, whatever the case may be that you want to stow, you need to get the traditional, like a traditional locker. But if you have purchased merchandise in the park that you don't want to carry around, you can do the virtual locker. I want to say it was 10 or $15 for the whole day. So not that much. And Caleb says 15. No. 14. 14. I'm sorry. $14. For the whole day, um, and because we did this early in the day, this was the first, very first thing we did, um, and we had a full eight, nine hour day in the park, so we were able to stow Boopy Schmoop um, safely and soundly, and not have to worry about the weather, not have to worry about losing or damaging. And uh, at the end of the day, we just went by and picked him up. So he went to Droid Daycare. We told Olive because she had a little bit of separation anxiety and didn't want to part with him. But we said, Olive, we really need to do this to make sure that he's okay and cared for. And um, so finally she relinquished and um, we put Boopy Schmoop in Droid Daycare. Yeah. You know, throughout the day she would ask about (laughs) Boopy Schmoop, you know, can we, can we go get him so I can play with him a little bit? I can understand that you just you just built this, I mean, honestly, sweet toy. <laughs> I, w- I wish I could have done that as a kid. Um, you you want to get it out and play with it. So I can understand her separation anxiety, but she did she did have a great day at Hollywood Studios. So we'll get on to that a bit. Um, but we just kind of kept telling her, you know, Boopy Schmoop's at, at Droid Daycare. He's having a good time. They're playing with him. They're taking care of him. And she was good. Um, so after building the droid, we spent a l- just a tiny amount of time in Galaxy's Edge before we decided to venture off for breakfast. Remember, this was our early day, um, earliest day of the parks. Most of the other days we ate at um, our room um, because we stayed at a treehouse villa. We had a full kitchen and all that stuff. And so we had some uh, snacks and things around the kitchen. We had coffee made every morning. Uh, quite a few pots of coffee were made every morning, it seemed like. Um, but, you know, we had all bre- breakfast there usually, but 
this morning we hadn't had anything, so we decided to uh, get a little breakfast at Woody's Lunchbox. Um, I think we picked up a couple of those Lunchbox tarts, which are basically like their version of a Pop-Tart, um, but elevated to a whole new level um, because they are much more like handmade looking, um, not assembly you know, in a factory somewhere. Um, and I got an order of tachos. So I can't remember exactly what all was on my tachos. I didn't, I don't think I did like the breakfast version. I think I actually ordered like basically the tachos with like chili and cheese and stuff like that, which in hindsight wasn't the best breakfast idea, but it still was mostly good. The biggest problem was Toy Story Land, where we were at, has very little in terms of shade and so it was boiling um i think we even managed to get a table that had an umbrella but it still just wasn't enough and it was sweltering so it was not the most enjoyable breakfast yeah i just want to chime in and echo that really um that is my probably my biggest gripe about toy story land it it is just hot there there is no great place to find respite from the sun and just the surfaces of everything there is just hot um, it's like you're on the surface of the sun. So like Caleb said, we, we were there for like kind of a mid-morning breakfast and got our um, our little gourmet Pop-Tarts, which are tasty and fun. And the tachos were really good. I really enjoyed them. Probably could have enjoyed them more if I didn't felt like my flesh was melting off. Um, and like he said, we got a table with a, a with an umbrella, but the way that we had to sit and the way that the sun was facing, the umbrella was casting shade like on the table next to us and not uh, – it was, it was a mess. So I just remember that like of the entire trip, that was probably the hottest that I got because we were just directly being baked by the sun and no place to hide from it. And the surfaces of our table, our seats, it was just bad. I had to – I had to like get the rest of our food and wa- and get a bottle of water and walk away and find some place to sit or stand, even if it was on the ground somewhere, because I was really that hot. And I probably being pregnant, um, you know, exacerbated the issue, but it was really, really bad. I was like, I feel like I almost can't breathe. I'm stifled. Um, so anyway, despite that little issue, and also I have to say, when we go to Toy Story Land, and we eat at Woody's Lunchbox. There are a couple of tables there that are the Baby Bell cheese chairs. And Olive loves the Baby Bell cheese chairs. And it's always crowded there. So you have to scout out a table. Like you have to have one person in your party just go and stand and scout for a table to open up. And I'm usually that person. And I'm praying to God that we get a Baby Bell cheese table because Olive just loses her mind over these baby bell cheese. It's just their chairs. They're like booth chairs that are made to look like, if you know what a baby bell cheese is, like one that's been open and pulled apart and you can sit inside the little red casing. Anyway, it's, it's just a thing that Olive's like, we have to have a cheese table. Um, so I scouted one out, but it was the one that was baking in the sun. So, And actually, we originally had a different table and thank you to the kind couple who quickly finished their meal and um, motioned to you and gave us their baby bell cheese table. That's the most awkward thing to <laughs> say in the world. Like, who says that? Like, oh, thank you for your baby bell blue, blue. I don't know where that came from. Baby bell cheese table. What a joy. Uh, only at Disney, right? <laughs> only at Disney does that make any sense. 
Um, so yeah, so we fried in the sun for a good part of, you know, half the day there. I will say it did kind of cool off towards the evening a little bit, just a little bit of a break. I can't remember if there was a little bit of rain that had gone through or something, but I just remember it got a little bit easier to handle later in the day. But, um, in the first half of the day also was really crowded. Um, but that also kind of tapered off. And again, just kind of part of the confusion of this whole trip, the, the crowds, weren't in all the places you would expect them. So, you know, I've just gotten used to the last 16 years or so of doing Disney that the crowds are always going to be like Tower of Terror, um, the Rock and Roller Coaster, Midway Mania, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, of course, Galaxy's Edge and Toy Story Land have created a bit of a place where the crowds are. And then you throw into it the additional ride of... Um, Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railroad. Um, All of those kind of helped, I guess, to disperse the crowds a little bit, but the wait times weren't really horrendous. And, you know, I guess there were some aspects of it that that were a little bit um, over the top. Uh, The wait times in the morning were way too long at uh, Millennium Falcon for the whole group to ride it. Um, And so for the first half of the day, we kind of just did a few of the more smaller attractions, smaller in in, a, in popularity right now. Um, so we did like the the 3D Muppet Show. We did um, Star Tours um, with our whole group, and then we ended up going and waiting in line. Well, Chanel Chanel could not do Star Tours um, because of Baby Tuk Tuk, um, as we're calling this baby that is expected to be born sometime in April. Um, so she was not able to ride the more jostling type rides, but we, we made our way over to Midway Mania and that was probably the longest wait that we did. And I think it was somewhere around 35, 40 minutes. A good bit of it was outside and, and that, that kind of tells you how long the queue is because about half the queue is inside. So if you're outside for a good portion of it, you know, the, the wait is a little bit long and it was stifling. Uh, but we finally made it a little bit sweaty into the AC, cooled off. After we rode Midway Mania, which is definitely a favorite in the Berg family, um, and Chanel's like top attraction because she can destroy me in Midway Mania for some reason. And of course, I had to let Olive destroy me in Midway Mania this year. Um, she did good. Um, trying to remember... Am I am I remembering this incorrectly? Did I I rode that with Olive, didn't I? Uh, or did she ride boy, that? She might have rode it with Uncle Paul. I I'm I trying to remember. remember. Yeah, um, I'm sorry about that. I just like totally went blank. I I have it in my mind that I rode it with her, but I'm not 100 percent sure. I might have been the only one without a partner because we had a total of five people. So I don't I didn't have a partner. I was by myself. I was by myself. You were by yourself. So you must have ridden with Okay. Olive. I apologize for that. You're seeing a peek behind the curtain as to how we decide these things. Yeah. Okay. So that's correct. You rode by yourself. I rode with Olive. So because we had an odd number, um, the way this attraction is set, you sit two people. Um, really, it's four people for car, per car, but two people uh, going head to head in this game. And so me and Olive... Uncle Paul and Aunt Marcel, and Chanel was the odd person out, and so she was on her own. But still, you had enough points to top probably all five of us in that group. So um, it was a great time. 
we actually, after that, went our separate ways for a bit. Uncle Paul and Aunt Marcel wanted to spend a little bit of time exploring on their own. And so the three of us, Chanel, myself, and Olive, we, we explored on our own as well. I will say, um, this is definitely a learning experience uh, for all of us and in a positive way. Um, I, I've, I've started to introduce this to how I tell people to do Disney. It's good when you're traveling in a group um, – especially if it's not immediate family. So what I mean by that, uh, my brother and I are definitely immediate family. You know, we're brothers. Um, but what I mean is like nuclear family, like mom, dad, and kids. Um, obviously, that's a little bit harder to separate, you know, depending on ages. But let's say you're there with the grandparents, the uncles, and the aunts. Let everybody have a chance to kind of break apart during the midpoint of the day, do their own thing for a little while, and then reconvene at a good time. For us, that was dinner time. We reconvened at dinner time. And that way, everybody gets to experience the things that they are looking forward to experiencing. And they get to spend a little bit of quality time just amongst themselves. And, and that was really good for our, our day. Um, really helped us all to have a good time. Um, and and it, it was a positive thing. And I encourage people to do that now. Chanel had her finger up here. She is. Yeah, um, you kind of ended up saying a good bit of what I wanted to say, but I just wanted to maybe just echo how um, how positive that was for us. Um, you know, if you've got a larger group going and everybody's got sometimes different goals and different priorities of what they want to do and what they want to see, you might have people in your group that are all about the rides. They want to pack in as many rides as they can. You might have people in your group that are about the snacks. They follow Instagram accounts. They want to have um, the cupcakes. They want to try the snacks. They want to try the drinks. They want to try all those iconic things that they keep seeing um, on YouTube and Instagram and all those places. Or maybe you have the shoppers who love to visit all the shops. We, as the Bergs, we actually do love to visit the shops. We don't necessarily buy a ton of souvenirs, but we really just, for some reason, enjoy window shopping. We like to say we like a little bit of it all. We love the rides. We love the shops. We love the snacks. So we kind of tend to think that we equally divide our time amongst the three. Um, but some park goers really lean heavily towards one thing or the other. And you know what? It's your park experience. You're the one spending the money um, and you drop a good amount of money to go to these parks. So you should get that experience that you want. And if you're going with a larger party that has more divided interests, why not take some time to divide and conquer? Um, you know, one party can go do what they want while the other party goes and does what they want. Um, and for some families, it works out. They all want to do the same things. There can be 20 of them going all together. You see them sometimes, the big families with the T-shirts, and they're all together the whole day. Uh, and that's great, but you don't have to do it that way. There's nothing wrong with starting the day together, then breaking apart and reconvening or starting the day apart and then finding a time to get together. You know, work that out. But there's no rule that says that you have to be together all the time. And it really could actually make or break your experience at times because, every, like I said, everybody's got different goals. Um, everybody goes at their own pace. That's another thing. For some people... They want to go, 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 and some people need to take it a little easier. So it's okay to break up your party if you need to do that. We discovered that on this park day, and it worked really well for us. So we started the day all together, um, had breakfast together, rode a ride together. Then we broke apart um, for lunch and, and a good part of the day, did our own thing, and then reconvened, like Caleb said, for dinner. 
Well, we did eat lunch together. We ate at Docking Bay 7 in oh, Galaxy's Edge. Right. And that's actually, true. I think we ate before we did Midway Mania. Um, I guess I have to say about Docking Bay 7, I would rank Docking Bay 7 based on what we had, which was the fried tip-yip, just below Ronto Roasters, where you can get the Ronto Wrap. I like that a, a good bit better. Um, so, having said that, I think Docking Bay 7's theming is amazing. You feel like you're in Star Wars, and, and Galaxy's Edge is totally immersive. I love Galaxy's Edge. We did not spend nearly as much time in Galaxy's Edge as we did last year when we, or the previous year when we went. I guess that was last year. Um, but overall, it, the tip was just okay. Um, it would have been better if maybe there was a sauce with it to dip the chicken in, because the chicken, honestly, was a bit dry. I I didn't find the chicken to be terribly dry, but I I did I would have liked a dipping sauce because it was a lot of chicken. Somehow they they make this ch- and it's good. It's good chicken. So if you're a chicken lover, if you've got picky eaters in your family that are yeah. just like I just want chicken, these are basically very large chicken nuggets or maybe even chicken tenders you could call them, but somehow they cut them into sort of a rectangular shape. Um, and they're fried, lightly fried, not like serious, crazy, heavy batter. So that's a good thing too, for those who don't want overly battered chicken. I didn't find them to be overly dry, but maybe Caleb's piece was. Um, and uh, mine came with the side of, I think some fresh steamed broccoli and maybe some macaroni and cheese. So this is like a really good meal. Um, especially for, like I said, maybe picky eaters who don't want to venture out and try crazy things. Um, the craziest thing about it is the way that it's cut. It's just cut into a unusual shape to give it that theming. And it's called tip yip, but it's chicken. It's just chicken. Yeah. So when galaxy's edge opened, um, 2019, they really tried to make all the food items really themed within the Star Wars universe. They have since toned it back a little bit. Originally, all of these food items only had these like storyline names. So the fried chicken was tip-yip. Now it'll say fried tip-yip parentheses chicken, you know, so you can see what you're ordering because I suppose some people weren't, you know, absolutely certain of what they were getting. Um, but yeah, overall, it was it was all right. I mean, to me, Hollywood Studios has never been really the most known for its food items, um, but this was good. This this was all right. I know that's sounding t- like kind of counter, you know, whatever. I, I'm saying it's good. It's just not great. Um, so yeah, so during our little respite, um, not respite, but our our break away from um, each other, uh, we. We did some various attractions. Olive had some firsts. Um, she had already ridden uh, Star Tours, but that was a first for her. She was too short to ride it the previous time. Um, she really enjoyed that. And she had been talking for months about getting me on Tower of Terror with her. I've only ridden Tower of Terror once. Um, I have ridden Mission Breakout in Disneyland a couple times. Um, but she was super excited about Tower of Terror. And it was time to get dad on Tower of Terror. And I was a little nervous because, number one, I'm not great with heights and things like that as well, but it's a little intimidating of a ride. Um, but I was a little bit nervous for her because I didn't know how she would respond and, and you know, in the moment of the thrill of the ride. But I can't, I can't even begin to tell you, like, how 
thrilled she was while writing this. But uh, first of all, I do want to say the wait time on this was like 15 minutes. Like, as close to a walk-on as it could possibly be without being a walk-on. And so that that was fun. You know, we got you know through the queue very quickly, get onto the attraction. She got to sit next to another little girl about her age who was just bubbling over with her excitement to ride it as well. Apparently she had ridden it about five times that day. And um, her mom was telling me that she just, this is her favorite ride. She's ridden it. This is like the second year she's been tall enough to ride it and she just can't get enough of it. And Olive, I think at that point started to really get excited about what was about to happen. And so you know, it's an elevator drop ride. So you go into the ride. You, I'm not going to spoil the whole attraction, but you're you're going up and down in random selection. So Olive, at some point in time, I looked over. She's kind of like floating in the air. Of course, she's restrained by a seatbelt. So I'm kind of holding her a little bit. And the face of joy and pure just excitement was unrestrained. Her Her smile was ear to ear. And she was just having a blast, giggling and screaming. Um, she had so much fun. We got off, and she's like, can I do that again? I want to do it again. I want to do it again. I'm like, Daddy needs some time on solid ground. In hindsight, I actually wish I would have done it one more time with her because she just had so much fun. But there's always the next time. She she just loved it so much, and that was fun. So once we got off, we went into the gift shop, and she got a pin to celebrate her first time riding Tower of Terror. And, and even that was kind of funny. I thought she would get like the Tower of Terror pin. Um, and we did that because when I rode Mission Breakout in Disneyland, I got a pin to commemorate me thinking in my hubris that I've conquered my fear of heights, only to find out on the Ferris wheel that I had not conquered my fear of heights. But that's for another episode. But here at Disney World, we wanted to get her a pin to celebrate. And she ended up just getting the most generic, like, pink Mickey ears pin. <laughs> Um, and I'm like, are you sure that's what you want? She's like, yes. I'm like, okay, we'll just have to try to remember that that commemorates uh, riding Tower of Terror. Um, but yeah, she had a great time. Unfortunately, Chanel could not ride this one with us, of course, because of the pregnancy. Um, but she she went and did a couple things while we were doing that. Yeah, so there were multiple times throughout the trip that the group or Caleb and Olive um, road rides that I couldn't ride. And we knew this going into it. We we knew at, well, at some point in our planning stage, because we planned this trip out for a good year or more, um, I, I got pregnant in that time frame. And so we, so I knew it was coming. I knew that my selection of rides would be drastically dwindled down. And I'm, I was okay with, it. I mean, it makes me sad. It made me sad a little bit because I knew I was going to miss some things. I knew I wasn't going to be able to ride Tower of Terror with Olive and things like that. But my favorite rides are the classic Disney, Disney rides anyway. So I'm just glad that I didn't have to miss out on those types of things. And there were rides that I could do. I could do Midway Mania. I could do uh, Mickey's Runaway Rail... That's a hard one to say. Runaway Railway, which we did get to, and we'll talk about in a little bit here. But I knew there were things I wouldn't be able to do. But thankfully... I enjoy my own company. I'm happy with the group. I'm happy by myself. I'm just generally uh, easy to accommodate and easy to please. So when they went off and did their thing, I was grateful for a little bit of respite. And what I decided to do, because it was nearby, um, I think I went into a couple of shops first. um, But the Beauty and the Beast... 
little production that they do multiple times a day, two, three, four times a day, had just started. And so I went in and watched that. And it's a it's a big and Caleb and I had have seen this years ago at Hollywood Studios, but Olive is not a big fan of the live show productions. She's just not for whatever reason. So I took the time to get off my feet and get some um not AC, but it is in a covered um sort of atrium. So nice and shaded, big fans, the big, you know, the big ceiling fans above you. Um so nice and cool and breezy. So I was able to go. It wasn't so crowded that I couldn't prop my feet up in front of me and kind of sit in the back and just watch their the abbreviated production of Beauty and the Beast. And that's been running there for a long time. And it is sort of a, a, the highlights of Beauty and the Beast. It's not the whole thing, but it's maybe like a 40-minute um, play uh, production of Beauty and the Beast. So I caught probably just enough to, I timed it, or it just so happened that um, it ended right around the time that Olive and Caleb were getting off of their ride. So I really enjoyed that. I hadn't seen it in years, and it was fun to just kick back and relax a little bit and watch that and cool off because of the extremely hot day and then reconvene with Olive and Caleb and um, see the, you know, get, get to hear Olive talk about it and Caleb talk about their experience and it was still still a lot of fun for me and enjoyable. So after that, we connected and Olive had to have a Mickey bar, Mickey ice cream bar. So we got that, and it was so hot the thing melted so quickly. And Olive is like basically dripping with ice cream and chocolate. And um, we we ate this underneath the cover of the Disney Vacation Club like selling booth, which had a couple of fans going. And that was amazing. And I didn't even have to listen to the Disney Vacation Club spiel because uh, there was nobody there. It was just me and Olive and Chanel. So that was nice. Um, But then we had to clean her up and that was kind of messy and weird and whatever. But um, after all of that, we went over and rode for the very first time for us, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railroad. And this was not too terrible of a wait. Most of it was outside. They did have those little fans in the queue, which do a lot. I, I wish most of the places had those. I mean, outside Midway Mania, that would be amazing. Um, but it was it was not too terrible, the queue. We got through. And this attraction is super fun. Um, it is the first attraction that features Mickey and Minnie uh, to the extent that they are the main focus of the attraction. Um, and it is just a blast. I love the animated look of the attraction like it it the whole thing looks like it you're in the middle of an animation you know one of the shorts or whatever and it's fun um it's a trackless ride so you're moving all over the place uh some of the highlights were maybe the the portion of it where you feel like you're going over a waterfall not too intimidating i'll say that it's not too intense um then there's like you you feel like you're underwater and you're just kind of gliding around and then you go through like the ballet studio at one point and you're doing like the cha-cha and other various dances and in your runaway train. And it, so it's a lot of fun. Um, and I didn't feel like it was too quick of an attraction. I felt like it was a good time uh, length for the attraction. Maybe it could use for a little bit longer, but it wasn't like, oh, that's it. You know, like I feel like that when I ride Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, you get done with it and you're like, that's all. Like, I waited 14 days in line for that ride, and um, because if you've been to Magic Kingdom, you know how long that wait line is, and that's it. Yeah, 
but not not so with Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railroad. Great, great ride. Uh, any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I was. Uh, we kind of as we went, we'd look and make sure that uh, they were rides that I could do. And as far as we could tell, it was a ride that was okay. And um, and I think it was. I did get a little shooken around and jostled a little bit, but for me, it wasn't anything that I couldn't handle. Um, but maybe just judge that for yourself if you're really sensitive to that kind of thing. Um, it was a fun ride. This used to be the great movie ride, which I really loved, which was probably one of my favorite attractions at Hollywood Studios. Hollywood Studios is not typically my favorite park, um, but I really did love that attraction. So I was sad to see it go, but I was glad to see this be the replacement for it because there needs to be an attraction that features Mickey and Minnie as the main thing. Um, uh, why that hasn't been a thing in the past, I don't know, but I do love, like Caleb said, the classic style of it. They kind of harken back to the very classic Mickey and Minnie from back in the 30s and 40s. And um, it's just, it's it's fun. It's a pleasant ride. It's a very pleasant ride. I'll say that. Yes, it is, indeed. So after that, we, me and Olive went and rode um, Millennium Falcon in Galaxy's Edge. And this is another one Chanel was not able to ride, so I think she went and caught a little snooze somewhere, uh, like a homeless person. And uh, Olive and I got to be the pilots again. Um, And I think there was two or three other people with us, and we didn't bang it up too bad. The Millennium Falcon survived, but this was a fun attraction, and we had a good time with it. And um, after all that, we met up with our crew, we met up with our crew at um, 50's Primetime Cafe, one of my favorite restaurants, um, definitely one of my favorites at Hollywood Studios. And uh, this was this was great. The food was amazing. Our waiter was excellent. And uh, I ordered the Primetime Sampler, so I got a little bit of everything. Um, and actually, Chanel and I split that. And we ordered an appetizer of crab cakes and a wonderful chocolate shake. And I, I, we were able to split this because Schnell wanted meatloaf and I wanted like the roast beef, the pot roast or whatever. And then we both wanted fried chicken. So we asked if they could add a fried chicken leg and a drumstick and they accommodated that. I don't even think they charged us for that extra drumstick, which was pretty cool. Don't don't take that verbatim because they might charge you. I don't know. But they will always try their best to accommodate you with food requests and whatever. And so, yeah, the meal was delicious. Um, one of my favorites of the trip, the crab cake was good. The the pot roast is excellent. I love the atmosphere of 50s primetime. They treat you like your cousins or whatever. And it's always funny. The waiter was hilarious. And it was just a good time. And, of course, because it was around Olive's birthday, they gave her a cupcake. And she definitely enjoyed that. Yeah, I, I agree. I love the theming of this restaurant. It's a lot of fun. I love walking into that mid-century, 50s. It, you walk right in and you're in the living room. And uh, you can see into uh, the bar area, which everything is completely decked out with 50s tchotchkes and furniture that fits the era, televisions that fit the era that are showing TV shows and commercials from that time frame. It's just totally, everything is well thought out to the detail. I probably took a lot of pictures around this restaurant because I love that quirky mid-century decor. Um, So it's a lot of fun for me to look around and just feast my eyes on all the fun details. 
And uh, and like Caleb said, the food was um, very good. We've had good experiences here. The wait staff is fun. They sit you down and they kind of talk to you like your family, but not like um, necessarily and always the kindest of manner. It's kind of like, uh, okay, cousin, cousin Caleb, sit down here and uh, we'll bring we'll bring you out some drinks in a minute. Mom's making dinner, like you know, just kind of that kind of banter. It's fun. Um, so, and I do love that at most restaurants you go to, if you let them know that it's your birthday or somebody in your party's birthday, you get a free birthday cupcake. Um, it's not, you know, it's nothing to write home about necessarily, but for a child, um, an exciting cupcake is just always exciting. So that was always, that's fun to be able to get that little treat for Olive. Um, the crab cakes were very good. I thought they were generous on crab. The meatloaf was tasty. Everything was just really good. So I definitely recommend 50s Primetime Cafe. So after that, we made our way down kind of the, what is it, Buena Vista Street or whatever, the main street area of Hollywood Studio. We stopped in a couple shops, got a few goodies on the way out, and then we called it a day. We made our way back to um, our our room and i think we want boopy schmoop first we had to oh yes we stopped at the daycare we're good parents we picked up boopy schmoop 3000 and we made our way back to our resort and we called it a bit of an early day because i think we were all a bit tired from the sprint to the start at the beginning and all that good stuff and we knew that the next day was going to be a longer day uh, because it was our second day at Epcot which we've actually already covered in a previous episode so if you want to hear about our second day at Epcot actually go listen to um, the episode on Epcot which is a few episodes previous to this one and um, so we we took an easy an easy night basically we we Got back to our resort. Um, of course, we all played with Olive's new droid, Boopy Schmoop, for a little bit before hitting the, the bed. Um, I will give you a, a little bit of a tip here. This was something that we did for the first time this go-round. Um, because Paul and Marcel drove in, we had them pick up a few necessities for us. And um, so one of those items, and actually... I. Um, That is true, but I'm getting a little bit backwards here. Um, They did bring some necessities, like some snacks and some goodies. Um, But the one thing we forgot to get was Epsom salt. I had planned on, you know, having some Epsom salt. I brought some in my luggage, but we quickly ran out. Um, So Uncle Paul ordered some on Amazon, and they delivered it to our resort. Um, But Epsom salt is a lifesaver when you're doing these trips. So each night, I think it was, we, we took our turn for baths um, with Epsom salt. And it was very helpful that we had two bathrooms, um, you know, so uh, we were all able to get a, a nice hot soak with Epsom salt at the end of a long day, soak our feet, all that good stuff, our achy joints. And I think that really kept us able to go the whole week without too much damage to our our feet's and all that good stuff. So uh, that is a tip for you. If you are traveling and able to bring some Epsom salt with you, it is definitely worth, excuse me, it's definitely worth it um, to do so. So bring you some Epsom salt. And I think that that pretty much does it for us, unless you have anything else you want to add. That's Hollywood Studios. Um, 
there was definitely some 50th anniversary items, the statues and all that good stuff and snacks. And, you know, we made sure to avail ourselves to those things. Um, we, well, there weren't as much snacks when we went. Those came a little bit later. Um, but the the statues were up, and those were cool. We took some pictures of the statues, and um, those are fun seeing around the parks. And, again, there's still time to check out Walt Disney World during the 50th anniversary celebrations. So um, if you are interested in that, we would love to put together a free, no-obligation quote for you and give you any advice that you're looking for in doing a Walt Disney World trip. So just hit us up. We are that vacation company. We'd love to help you with that. And as always, we are That Vacation Company, serving you the most delightful destinations. 